podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We call whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. In fact, don't take it seriously. We're only bugging. <laughs> Hello, my name's Mark Webster. This is the Whistleblowers. Yet another week when we have to deal with the cult of the gaffer. Every now and then it'd be nice to actually talk about a game of football that involves two football teams playing each other. But no, we've got to deal with the names above the headlines. It, it doesn't make any sense, but unfortunately, there we are. One of the names that is above the title with us here is Mr. Jeff Young makes his first whistleblowers of the season, don't yeah, you? Yeah, better late than never. Very well, good. F- yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. And don't you pick your times. <laughs> yeah. Full of the joys of spring, so what you are. And, of course, uh, Jeffrey, of course, and, and, you t- and you was on the uh, uh, Chelsea podcast just prior to us talking here. Absolutely. So, so I'm, I guess bullish would have been... Yeah, cautiously optimistic. Oh my God, is that is that all you got left in your? That's the best tank we're going to go for at the moment. Oh, that's, uh, that's running. That's, that's... But we are f- pretty smug about smashing up Mourinho. Well, <laughs> well, perhaps we'll get to talk about that. Yeah, and a gentleman who is also making his first appearance here, but is a is a gentleman I've sat across a microphone for many a, a, a long year in the last few years, certainly. And uh, I know how to say his surname, and you can't spell it. It's Nick Shapanik. Hi, how you doing? All right, Nick. And it is. S Z. Because what? because we need to go for the Twitter account. S Z C Z E P A N I K is the full spelling, yeah. Next about it at yeah. You said that like a football channel, that was glorious. It yeah. did exactly. Going, well, you know, it's the rhythm, isn't it? Or the <laughs> it's Mickey all in the rhythm. That was all like the Mickey Mouse Club. S S C N M O U S E anyway, but, the, but the, the, Nick's here. Uh, um, the, the good news is that Nick has, has dragged himself up on Southern Railways. He left uh, yesterday in June, and um, because for two good reasons, is of course he is a, a great voice on the on the world of football, one of the, our finest reporters, and certainly knows his South Coast football, but also because he's put pen to paper for something of a more concise nature. And just reminded us, Nick, I suppose, that, that football isn't so po-faced and, uh, and I, I, I don't know, arguably so distant from us as it once, or as it now appears to be. No, no, this is, uh, we're talking about Pulp Football, my, yeah. my, my book, then, and my unashamed bid for the Christmas impulse buy market. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm There's hoping, nothing uh, wrong with that, Nick. I hope, yeah. the, I hope the wives of this country will buy this for the, for the, uh, the, the husband in their their life uh, on December the twenty fourth when they've run out of other ideas, um, but, but of course by then I don't suppose there'll be many copies in the shop. No but, hell no, no they'll all be gone. Yeah, Just yeah. on the off chance there right is one. Now. Then um, then obviously you know your husband will pour over this during the Queen's speech and then cast it aside when the, the turkey hits the table. But um, yeah, as long as we've got your nine ninety nine, we'll, we'll discuss the zeitgeist that you're trying to capture with. No, that. it's um, well it. it a lot of writers go to publishers and, and beg them to, to put out their um, their life's work. This happened slightly the other way around. I was talking to a publisher about something else, and um, we just, there was a couple of anecdotes flying about. And he said, "Oh, you know, you should um, should put those in a book." And I said, "Oh no, there must be hundreds of books like that." And he said, "No, no, no, it'll be a really great seller." And um, I was thinking, "Oh, I'm not so sure about this. You know, there's, there's got to be so many of these." And I went and like next time I was in a, a branch of one of our well-known. Um, book uh, seller chains i picked up um 
well, what you loosely call the competition, and <laughs> read two or three yarns, and I, th- and I knew that at least one of them was wrong. Um, so I thought, eh, you know, I've got contacts, I must be able to, you know, just get some some stories that perhaps some that people have heard, some that they haven't, and uh, and, and put them all together. So the, there we are. The beauty of it, Nick, is, and, and we know this, Jeff, as well, you know, we, we, fans as well, but obviously, when, but the, the, especially of recent years, you know, with, with the after dinners and blah, 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 the beauty of it is, is that we have been given access all areas a little bit more than, than used to happen. Because in the old days... The George Best of this world got on with being George Best. We pretty much not n- people not knowing what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's it's part it's, it's part and parcel of us as football fans, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the way the media is these days, yeah. you know, news travels fast, anecdotes travel fast. Although in the old days, you know, you used to be able to talk to to players uh, as a journalist much more easily, and um, you know, especially the local guys, you know, they would they would have uh, complete access to all the players, which happens a lot a lot less. I mean, obviously, as as we we have Twitter and. Um, everybody's got a phone in their pockets uh, uh, with a camera on so that if a player does anything, there's going to be a picture of it, even if they haven't posted it themselves first. But, um, you know, so it varies. I mean, there's a different type of access these days. No, but, of course, the beauty of it is, at some point, everyone spilled their guts about what you talk about in this book, and that will be something that you can all go and savour with your savoury puddings, which, of course, is the important thing for Christmas. Um... Can I I just say, I've only just looked at a couple of pages of the book, and it is absolutely fantastic. (laughs) But I I love the pictures. And uh, just to give you a flavour of what this book is all about, there's a picture here of John Terry with um, lots of the Chelsea Champions uh, League winning side with the cup. And the caption is, John Terry with some players who did win the Champions League. (laughs) It's a classic moment. (laughs) So that's that's the way forward. One of my favourite photographs is there is the cover of the Sheffield United programme. I think it's the last picture. Oh, yeah. For the the very first Premier League game ever at Bramall Lane. And you'll notice that Dave Bassett is dressed as Father Christmas. Yeah. Because in the previous couple of seasons, uh, United couldn't win a game uh, before the new year. So uh, that season, Dave Bassett decided to move Christmas forward to <laughs> August, and the players had a Christmas party in August, with the, and uh, the, the fans were all de- uh, encouraged to dress as Father Christmas and come ready for, for the first game of the, the first game of the season. It, great, the big the, 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 the Harry Bassett takes football that season. And it worked. Always it worked. It worked. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Brian Dean scored the first ever goal in Premier League history against Manchester United, and they won. So Sheffield United beat Manchester United in the first um, on the first day of the Premier League, um, and Manchester United went on to win the league. Merry losing... Christmas, everyone! Yeah, Merry Christmas! But it did actually work, and, and Sheffield United did stay up that season. So um, there Job you are, the, the genius of Harry Bassett. But the the very weird thing about that that cover is what the two players are doing. There's one Aye. one is uh, one is is holding a sort of uh, a balloon that says Merry Christmas. The other one is holding an inflatable wasp or something. I'm not. Quite so that must be some no, well, local Christmas custom in Sheffield that, that hasn't travelled. Have, have you not? Yeah. Have you never held a Christmas wasp, then? Nick? Well, no, not, not yet. <laughs> well, mate, I, I, I haven't been to Sheffield for Christmas though. So well, no, no, four generations of my family hold a Christ, hold a Christmas wasp. There you go. Yes, we need to find out the significance of the blow-up wasp. There oh, is no doubt about I it. I think it doesn't that go in the middle of the Christmas pudding, or is that a sixpence? <laughs> Am I getting very confused? You are very uh, confused. You're as confused, um, confused as Harry Bassett. That's ex- sure. Exactly right. Now let's let's deal with uh, matters more. Uh, more recent and and I, I go back to this idea of the cult manager simply be, and, but of course Jose it, 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 we can't stop not talking about this one but simply because 
they keep throwing games up that we have to discuss, and it is him. Was it the weirdest thing, Jeff, that you'd seen was the capitulation of his football team in that situation? The capitulation of his football team? Um... I mean, I you can't, uh, no, no, we okay. can't blame him, can we? Or do we well, blame him for no, a No, no, I don't think we can blame him. I think they've been rubbish for two years, and they're still rubbish. Right. Uh, he might have brought in a couple of players worth up to 200 million quid. <laughs> yeah. But they've certainly not learned how to play with each other, and he either hasn't worked out a system where they can play with each other, whatever. So, and, and as someone, uh, a journalist in the mail oh. today, did point out that there were long periods of pointless Man U possession, just as there were in the Van Gaal era. And, uh, yeah, they just look like the same as they have been for the last couple of years for me. So, Well, well something that baffled me was the, the sudden discovery that the, the world seems to have made this, this week that, that Chris Smalling is bang average as a central defender. Now, yeah, I, I yeah. wasn't unaware of that before. No. But, and, and it was grossly unfair to say that he was at fault for three of the goals. I thought it was at fault for all four of them, actually. <laughs> Excellent. They let him off the Cahill goal, but he was actually supposed to be marking Cahill. Yeah, he and was, And as, yeah. as the corner came over, one little touch completely threw him off balance. So, you know, I... I I can't see. I mean, you know, when Chris Smalling is selected for England, I, I hide so, under, so behind is, the sofa. Is it, is it mm. a simple fact that, regardless of the fact that we that that, that Jose turns up and he's met, and people and, and his team are meant to ride on the crest of his wave, albeit somewhat not what it was, arguably. We'll talk about that in a moment. Is that are they still, as Jeff says, just a bang average football team that happened to be Manchester United, in spite of the fact, as you say, Pogba, etc. Oh yeah, I mean, I think Smalling is a perfect example that um, you know he he can have poor games and and there's never any suggestion he should lose his England squad place because he plays for Manchester United and the the because he plays for Manchester United I'm afraid doesn't wash any longer. If you look at um, the, the 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 last few decent Manchester United teams, you know, you, you look at. Um, uh, the the defence there, and there's no comparison to the the, to the shower that's put out at the moment. <laughs> so you know, yeah. and I speak as very much a not Manchester United fan. No, you know, I to to a certain extent, you know, I find it quite amusing that Manchester United lose these games and you know can lose at places like Watford and never look like getting back into the game. Um, but you know, that, the, when that starts affecting England, because players. You know, are selected because they're Manchester United players, and or, or their places not seem to be in danger for this reason. Then it hurts the England team. Is he? It, can you see any progress with Jose in terms of what he's trying to do with United? I mean, not least of which, I suppose, arguably the fact that he was bold enough well, to drop Wayne Rooney at one point. Okay, well, which seems to be the you know the, the, the most chasmic thing that's happened in English football in, in, in two millennia. Without wishing to state the obvious, I'm not a Man U fan, so I don't yeah. go out of my way to watch them every week. But the one thing I'm currently finding quite, in inverted commas, interesting is that obviously before this match, everyone was banging on about how Chelsea had lost quite badly at Arsenal and got pretty trumped over by Liverpool. Although in the second half against Liverpool, if we'd have scored another goal... It, it would have been pretty right. interesting to put it mildly. So now, man, you find themselves in a situation where we've tonked them. Man City's tonked them on their own grass. All right, they got a point at Liverpool by parking the bus. They've also lost at Watford. So they are now very much in a worse position than we were before that game. Sure. Oh, you see, now there's and a, people there's, aren't there's, saying that. They're, they're talking about Mourinho being a busted flush now. There's a yeah. cult of Liverpool, you see. That, that draw at Anfield was seen as uh, some fantastic vindication of Mourinho and, uh, and his qualities. But... You know, okay, Liverpool can produce some pretty impressive form, but you know that 
game against West Bromwich Albion, you know, the, the 2-1, that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't a great performance by them in the second half. I mean, no. you know, they, they look great at times, but, you know, that Liverpool are a long way from being the finished article. So I think people are reading far too much. Welcome to Man City, Nick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we actually, Can we talk about John Stones yet? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, well, we'll get to it, but I, I, I think we need to just obviously clarify which has been the fun fallout from the uh, the Chelsea um, uh, Man United game is that um, they had the lip reader on that moment at the end there the, between yeah. Conte and, and the uh, Italian and, uh, media grasped him up. Well, I've got it here and it says, what he said was, I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. <laughs> you broke my heart. Which, um, which is... Which Johnny is Elder? No, I never Sav- Sav- yeah. Sav- 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 <laughs> And then he said he had a boat book for him on the, on, on the serpentine. Um, it was... I, it, it just it, if we go back to the cult of the personality part of it, that was a horrible moment. I thought for your old manager Jeff is that is there is that he absolutely got his ass served up to him on a plate and then chose to comment to another manager about histrionics on the sideline. Well, th- this is the thing. I mean, I said this in the Chelsea podcast not an hour ago. And we've seen this in two periods at Chelsea and wherever he's been around the world. When he loses, he's a graceless twat. (laughs) And he always has been and he always will be. And one thing I did say to a couple of my Man U mates when they made him the manager, they were like, what do you think? What do you think? And having just described Man U's team as average, I did say to them, your average bunch of boys better start winning fast, otherwise you're going to have one miserable manager in your midst. Because we've seen it all at Chelsea with him, and so it's just so readable what he's going to do. So readable. You'll you'll know, Nick, as well, that, that within football, the talk has always been that there was two, three, four key players at Chelsea on his return Mm. who basically chose not to show up as a deliberate act of defiance against him. You you saw the way they play. They have, well, chosen to play with him and without him. You know, there's things that that good players can do. You know, players players can lose managers' jobs if they want to. Um, Wimbledon didn't fancy Egil Olsen and and stopped playing to get rid of him and thought that once they got rid of him, they'd just be able to get enough points to to avoid relegation. Well, I'm afraid they left it a bit late. Oh, footballers Um, are their intellects. (laughs) Yes. Oh, well. But, um, no, I mean, you you have to to say that Eden Hazard... You know, footballer of the year one year, and then suddenly just fails to show mm, up. Funny, that. okay. There can be a bit of a hangover after you've won a title, but you know, no, that's that's taking hangovers. That's waking up, you know, out of your head in the gutter every morning. That's just you know, ridiculous what happened to him last season. So um, now, I mean, the the, the business of, of the conversation with, with Conti at, at the end was, I think, he was misguided on his part because. I mean, he's alleged to have said that you should have um, you should have been doing that at one nil, not yeah. not four nil. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I think anyone who watched the um, was it? Well, there was, I'm trying to remember whether I watched it again on Match of the Day or when I watched it. But the, the commentator made the point that Manchester United's fans at that point were out singing the Chelsea fans despite being four nil down, and Conte, I think, was urging them to sort of you know, show on. a bit of love for the, yeah. the, yeah. the team's performance. And you know, frankly, if if he's worried about what what Conte is doing to um, you know to get the fans on his side, I think he perhaps should be worrying you know more about what Conte's done to get his team playing. So, well, compared it, to what, what he's done, and it's well, not it's neither yeah. here nor there. And uh, just to, 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 I, I probably to wrap this one up here. Is, I, I think Chavi's comment, which I'd read in the paper the other day, I think is interesting. Is that, and I think this seems to be 
the version we're seeing more now as 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 the pressure is on is that Chavi said that um, of, of Mourinho that he can seek war, not football. Hmm. And he patently has got both of those things in his locker. And when one ain't working, he'll, he'll, he will pull on the other. You see, so it's it's interesting if you go about, about a long way over his um, his battles with Wenger. I mean, that that all sounds very clever when he's got the upper hand on yeah. Wenger. It doesn't sound so clever when you're losing. And um, yeah. Wenger, you know, could say, well, you know. People, he could say, Jose, can Jose, say, what's well, the score? Know, yes, <laughs> he can say, Jose, um, you know, how long were you? Have you been in your last two or three jobs? You know, I'm just, I've been just celebrating twenty years. Um, the thing is, though, I think is, is you look at the treatment of of one matter. Uh, he wouldn't play him at Chelsea, and now he's being forced to admit that he's one of the guys he needs. You know, he's, he's bringing him on. Um, Carrick, I thought, had a very a good game against Fenerbahce. It doesn't necessarily prove very much, but didn't use him at Chelsea when I thought, you know, there was an argument for, you know, that, that he played himself into the team there. You could say that he's, he hasn't, he's, he's inherited some bad or some average players at Manchester United, but he's also bought or, or had bought from three players in the spine of the team. Um, Pogba, nothing happening so much. Ibrahimovic, one terrible miss. Not sure how much he fancies it, fancies it when it's going well. Uh, still has to prove himself in mm. British football. By the centre half looked good, but went off injured. You know, but they were already two 0 down. Um, so you know, the, the, the signings haven't been so great either. I suppose, Jeff, we should ask. Do you? Because obviously you know him as a manager, and you and you and you've probably seen him turn. He's turned Chelsea round in his time. He's turned them round in games, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. let alone yeah. across seasons. Do, do you think that? Given the fact that, of course, not every, everyone else is so, to a certain extent, misfiring anyway, that we may just be a bit previous. This is too early to overjudge him. I, I, I would say, oh God, yes and no. I'm afraid I've got to say yeah, that. I know you mean. The, the problem, the problem with it is that, um, unfortunately, the way things are at Manu at the moment, it looks like they've got year three Mourinho already. And what I mean by that is... The one that leaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, and it, what, what tends to happen is this happened the first time at Chelsea. The second time at Chelsea, as we know, the players just stopped playing for him. Yeah. And what then tends to happen is when, when the wheels come off the wagon, he just gets the raving hump and that's it. It's game over. Yeah. And um, he managed to last three years at Inter... But only just. Same thing happened with Madrid. When he left, by the time he left Madrid, everybody had the raving hump. He just brings the whole club to a standstill when he's miserable. And that's what's going to happen to Man U. If they don't, if he doesn't find a way to get it working with those boys, it's going to go horribly, not, horribly Not wrong. least which, of course, he's been planet miserable for a good few years already. Listen, you know what? We, we did this in the Chelsea podcast without even knowing what was going on. Last season... We lost our first pre-season game against New York Red Bulls. And body language wasn't looking too good. And then we lost another pre-season game. And by the time we started the podcasts, we were already saying, something's happened there. Really? Because he has got the hump badly. And that reflects and straight the back first onto game, the players. First yeah. game was the game with Swansea. And then we get the Eva business. And it just got worse and worse and worse. 
but there was definitely something going on. And we knew. Happened, we see, knew. There's, there's, there's this, these stories coming out of um, Old Trafford today that he isn't really uh, doing much on the training ground. He's letting Rui Faria do it. Everything's... Yeah. Uh, and he basically stays in his office and the players are disappointed. They, they'd heard of, you know, him. good stories of him as a man-manager and he'd always been out on the, the, um, the tr- pitches at Cobham, you know. So yeah. there's that something changed with him, you know, in his management style as well. Well, again, he, he keeps saying, oh, you know, I'm getting older, I'm changing. But I think one of the things that happened... Certainly, uh, on both occasions he came to Chelsea, he came into the club and he was just amazing. He was just oozing charisma and vitality and he was getting yeah. everyone to subscribe to what he wants to. He seems to have pitched up at Man U and I don't know if he's took a look at what he's got and suddenly gone, oh shit. <laughs> um, but he's not doing that. He's not, he's not, you know, gathering the players and getting everyone into the right kind of spirit. That, that is definitely not happening. And you can see it on the touchline. This, this is a little endemic across... Uh, it's back to this idea of... The, of, of uh, perhaps as pointed as I can recall seeing it, Nick, is, is the personality or the temperament of the, of the coach... Mm being reflected di- directly back on their team. Well, uh, because, and I wondered how that was going to work with Manchester United because, you know, the Manchester United way. tradition, the yeah. Manchester United way is attacking, you know, wing play and everything that, that Mourinho hasn't been. In, in a way, that performance at Anfield was, was a quintessential Mourinho and I thought he might come out and say, there you are, you see, we do it my way and we get a great result. And, and I wonder if he's sort of torn between one thing and another. But, of course, when you're a goal down in 30 seconds at Chelsea, I think the story. blueprint's out the window anyway. Uh, but but it, it, this extends to the conversation about Klopp at Liverpool and certainly uh, back to Guardiola oh, yeah, at Man Klopp, City. Klopp, Klopp, Mourinho frustrates Conti? Klopp. It's Conte, you know, yeah. But, that's... but how about this, though? Is, is it a fair thing to say? Are we looking at, I mean, in terms of Man City, are we looking at a team which is elevated beyond its, its ability simply because Guardiola's there. Uh, in terms of Klopp, are we looking at a team that we think is fantastic because of the way, the way that Klopp behaves? I mean, wh- where do you stand on the way that we, our well, big I mean, teams after, are? After a certain number of games, everyone's saying, all oh, those people who thought about, you know, Guardiola, he's never been in such a competitive league. And Guardiola apparently got a little bit antsy about it when uh, people said, oh, well, you know, you've never had... So much competition. He said, "Oh, you don't know how competitive La Liga is, and you don't know how competitive the Bundesliga is." And yeah, of course, that's a great point for him when he's won every game. But now, was it five without a win? Yeah. As we speak. Um, so and, and look, and, and, and good players looking all and then and, and Sergio Aguero. Now I want to talk not... about John Stones. Um, right. Okay. Okay. Go on. Then. Yes. Go on then. Let him I go. was also <laughs> going to say that. I'm not sympathetic towards Guardiola, but he's got a bunch of t- team. He's got a bunch of boys there that can't take a penalty. That's mm. one of the reasons he hasn't won in that five can't, games. That can't help. Yeah, two in, two right. in one game. Give me a break. But but but, 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 but no. But while Nick's slaughtering every centre half that pulls an England shirt, let's go to John Stones. Oh, no, no, I think John <laughs> Stones is potentially a fantastic footballer. Um, but I think it was it. Um, Jack Charlton, who, who used to say, you know, when I hear about a centre half who's good on the ball, I think, oh Christ. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know the, fir- the first job of a defender is to defend. I know it's a bit of a bit old fashioned, and a, a, yes, but um, I was never very convinced. One of the first first few times I saw John Stones uh, by his defensive ability, I think it was a three 0 defeat somewhere. And Stones, although didn't actually score one of the two own goals, was actually culpable for one of them for jumping for a ball he was never going to get and, and um, obstructing the view of the defender who did plonk it past his own goalkeeper. But um, and I've, I've spoken to Everton supporting friends about it. They, they say, yeah, I mean, it's an awful lot of money to get for a defender who 
can't defend. And now, you know, you look at that, that attempted pass out of defence and, you know, obviously Guardiola says, you know, he's going to encourage him to do that. But that was an appalling... But is he is just you know, promoted... Guardiola is saying, you know, I'm never going to tell my players to launch it. Well, I'm afraid sometimes... Yeah, well, sometimes you, you can't pass to. it. Yeah, if yeah. you can't pass it, you know, got to go accurate, accurately. I mean, the, the, you... everyone says that one of the great, you know, the great illusions about passing statistics is that quite a lot of passes are between centre-halves under no pressure at all. And he couldn't even make a pass to another centre-half <laughs> under no pressure. Let's be... I, mean, I don't know if you saw it, but Nathan Redmond said after the game... We looked at how, how they keep all doing this stuff. All over him like a rash. Yeah. yeah, and he said, we knew we were going to do John Stones and all the rest of them. We were going to be all over him like a rash. And he, what, they weren't surprised at all when they got a goal by um, pressuring those and, guys. Is, so is, is John Stones unlucky in the sense, is he simply because of... It was unlucky it, there was him then. No, 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 but I mean, yeah. by dint of his white, dint of the, of, the, of the transfer fee and, 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 and dint of the fact he's got a Man City and, and the fact that he's basically been promoted beyond his station already. Well, Nick, Nick, well, no, Nick has already alluded to this and, no. and this is this fact about all this playing out from the back. Chelsea, Manchester City... Liverpool to a certain extent. But we do get the high press, so, everybody. So all of a sudden, well, we all of a sudden we're all the trying to play out the back. The but are day. they good enough to play oh, well. for, out from the yeah, back? Yeah, that's the point. The, these teams maybe don't have the right footballers in in those places to do that the tactically. Other, the other day, I think it was in the Times, that there was um, something about Manchester City, and it said, why do Manchester City's uh, defenders split so wide? Or maybe it was even Tottenham's. That's right, it was Tottenham's defenders. Why do they split so wide, um, you know, when... Uh, when when the goalkeeper's got the ball and it was you know and you think well you've only just noticed you know this has been going on for you know MK Dons were playing that way you know five years ago but suddenly because Tottenham and, and Manchester City are making a virtue of playing out from the the back and then the, the high press at the front suddenly because it's 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 been, it's in vogueish teams which Manchester City and Tottenham are you know they're very much media darlings um, you know that suddenly everyone's taking notice of it but you know it's it's not new but it's just it's it's something now that you have to do. I'll tell you what... I'll tell you what the, the and even down to the goalkeeper, the business of Bravo, and because and Guardiola is saying, oh, I'll accept the mistakes because this is the way and I will never change. And you think, okay, well, it, maybe yeah. it works in the Bundesliga but, but where teams are frightened of you. But, but in early, the Premier League, people are not frightened sure. of other teams. It's early, it's early in, the, in the campaign, but is, is, the, is the issue we've got here is that it's got to happen and they'll learn to happen and there'll be better teams for it. But in the meantime, someone sneaks the league because... All of the, our fancy Dan teams are, are, are trying to find a new way of Keep bending goals away, and it'll take it, them to eighteen months. You can't say you must always do this. Um, you, there are times right. when you know you you weigh the odds and think, right, I'm not taking the risk of this guy nicking it off me. This is going into row Z. Uh, okay, you know, it would be nice if every team played out from the back. But I'm afraid there are just simply times when you just have to you say no. You can't do it. That so can't the, be the, 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 the story. Yeah. The story I always tell people is that um, when the Euros are on, I watched Italy v Spain only because of Conte. I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm thinking, well, he's coming. I'm going to watch have this. A look. Right. Yeah. So by half time, I'm looking at the way Italy are playing. Buffon, they get they get a goal kick. Buffon squares the ball to the side of the penalty area. The three centre halves, who I called the Juve three, they pass the ball between each other and they move it up the pitch. And by half time, I'm sitting there looking at this, thinking, well, Antonio, if you want our lot to do that in August, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> and sure enough. You know, Cahill's been caught a couple of times, and 
And it's bloody dangerous if you're not a good enough footballer. He's, but he's changed it a bit, though. He, he's not doing that so well, much, is he? No, he's not. And, K- and Cahill did look a different footballer on Sunday. He's one of them. I mean, they all look like different footballers on Sunday, really, so, to so me. So is, is it going to be the guy who throws it out the window quickest will catch Arsene Wenger, for want of a provocative sentence? Well, I don't, don't worry about <laughs> that. Arsenal will have a bad pitch okay, and blow yeah, yeah, it anyway. They yeah. always do. I mean, uh, John Stones, I think, could be, uh, could be Bobby Moore in a couple of years. I mean, not that Bobby Moore was completely infallible, as we know from a famous game in, in Poland. But, you know, he's got fantastic um, potential. He's, he's, a, he's a good player now. Could be great. But, you know, if he's, got, if he's been thrown in and told he's always going to want to, you know, he's got to bring the ball out, then he, the, that sort of thing is going to happen again. If Guardiola and the Man City crowd are prepared to accept that and think, oh, unlucky, John, you know, so we've lost that game, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep going and we believe that it's the right way and we'll have... Then fine. But, um, but that's, that's the situation. If Guardiola is going to be so dogmatic about that and we must play this way, you know, we are never going to launch it, then, um, then if, that, if he's going to play that way for England and England are never going to launch it, then great. Then uh, as and long as we're prepared to accept... And I'm sure we're doing yeah. the same thing with Chris Smalling as well, Nick. Yeah. Um, now, um, um, now that we've got uh, uh, Nick here as well, we, we, we should spread our wings. Let's look on an international basis. We are talking about a football, uh, a football league, a Premier League here, which of course now has an international platform. One of the richest in terms of uh, television deal, I think one of the biggest deals, Nick, am I right, mm. uh, over oh, yeah. the NFL? Yeah of recent times, which is amazing. I didn't know that stat, actually. No, it's... it's, That's just opened my eyes, I have to say. It only happened this year. They did a deal which is bigger than an NFL deal would ever been in terms of television deal, which is, you know, it it seems only incongruous, but then again, football is is God and football and the world's game. Now, but Nick here will sit in. We are hours away, are we not, from one of the most remarkable World Series? Oh, yes. Mm. Fantastic. Of all times, because explain to us, probably as briefly as you possibly can, given the fact it is the history of of baseball, is what we got. I've done done the arithmetic twice, and arithmetic is definitely not my strong subject. I think it's a total of 176 years between the two teams since they last won the World Series. The the Cubs last won in uh, 1908. <laughs> and, the, and the Indians last one in 1948. So wow. I think that's 176 years of hurt combined. Um, the, the Cubs have been labouring under the curse of the Billy Goat. Yeah. Which is when the owner of the Billy Goat Tavern in, uh, in downtown Chicago took his pet goat to a game in the World Series in 1945. The goat was chucked out because it smelt so awful and he said... The Cubs are never going to. W- uh, opinions divide. Did, no, did, that's fact. Did he that's say they were? Did, he he yeah. may have said they were never going to win a World Series game again, or they were never going to win again. But or I'm since never, then, I'm never bringing my goat here yeah, until my they goat comes back. They have, yeah. they have never been back to the World Series since. Cleveland seemed to be the cursed city of sports until the Cavs, Cavs just won the uh, the NBA championship. So two championships in one year would seem inconceivable. Incongruous. But yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people would like to think it's the Cubs' time, but. Um, um, two two good teams. The Cubs actually had the best record in baseball. The interesting factor is the Red Sox. The Red Sox beat the curse of the Bambino in 2004 thanks to um, a, a great general manager and a great uh, bench manager. They are now on opposite sides. So um, the... The, the general manager who built the Red Sox team that beat the curse of the Bambino oh. is now in charge of the oh, Indians. Luscious facts. Luscious, and, um, eh? Yeah. The, uh, the manager who, took, who, who managed the Red Sox in that series uh, is now the manager, uh, is now in, 
I've got it the wrong way around. So the, the Cle- Cleveland have the manager uh, it, it don't of matter. the Red Sox and right. the, the, the general manager is now with John It doesn't the matter. There was a goat at base. There was a goat. There was a goat. Yeah, there was a goat at the base. But the, the reason I can't, it, it, it's, you know, it's great to have Nick here to talk about that because it's, you know, it's one of his great passions. But also it's, it's timely because this is the same time we've had the NFL playing at Twickenham this weekend. We have. But we, this is in the week just a few days prior in which um, we've had... Our, our new glorious leader at the Champions League talking about potentially putting it up for, cha- up for franchise and taking that on the road and the immediate reaction your gut reaction is don't touch our football well, but, then, well, but the other part of that is this Champions League is a relatively new baby is it, is it a massive when you say hurt? take it on the road you're only talking about the final aren't you they're talking about take the final on the road yeah well the, it is on the road already but he's talking about taking it worldwide exactly that's right. the difference now do you have a specific dilemma with that in well your okay not really because if you go i went to chelsea man U in moscow yeah to put it mildly it was breathtakingly <laughs> expensive and moscow is a crock of shit and when the world cup goes there god help us all uh so what's the difference between going to moscow and going to new york well i like the fact you that make, they were you arguing. make both teams travel they you all you end up spunking a load of money because you have to and you go and watch the game. Well, the, the argument against and it's it was, televised. The argument against so was, what, oh my god, you, 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 you can make hundreds of fans go and do that. Has anyone ever seen an English fighter fight in Vegas? The only, uh, can it's I, that, can it's I just actually say full of actually, uh, home yeah, supporters. Uh, I've just, I've, sorry, I was just thinking about my own question. I was going to say, if it went to New York, what time would you make it kick off? But you could kick off at three o'clock out there. Of course, that's eight o'clock over here. No major, no major dilemma. So no d- major dilemma. I, Los Angeles would be an interesting concept, but yeah, yeah, I, I do like with those dawn kickoffs. They're one of my favourites. Um, I mean, if they took it somewhere to a time zone where we've all got to get up at four in the morning, basically they can do one. But but the, <laughs> well, it is yeah. the European, but it's the cup. European, but a, lo- yeah. a long weekend on the East Coast, or you know, yeah. some, I have I mean, no no objection to that at all. Oh yeah, no. that's what I'm saying. What's the difference between there and Moscow? And ex- well, indeed, and, and how much more fun might you have, arguably? But that's a, but, a, a lot more. Yeah. I, 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 I'd like to. I, I, don't, I can't get your response on this one Nick, because we're out of time. Welcome to hell, banners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> welcome to hell's kitchen. Yeah, yeah exactly, absolutely. I, I, I can't ask you about the future of football, Nick, because uh, we've got about three minutes left. So I need to ask you about the past of football. Um, I I want you to just. I, I don't want you to rip the uh, the, the arse out of uh, pulp football because, of course, we need people to buy, it, as you say, for yeah. Christmas. Wrap that up, but just please touch on Gordon Strachan, who for me. He's, he's my personal hero in this book for for his moment down at your in your, your old territory, wasn't it? Oh, I've covered rather a lot of Southampton, but no. So when Southampton left the Dell and moved into St Mary's, they didn't win for about six or seven games. And they before a game against Charlton, which you had to say felt a bit winnable anyway. They um, they uh, they got um, a, a white witch in to come and uh, cast some spells. Yes, and, they did. Um, and uh, yeah, she did. She did a bit of magic, and um, Charlton hit the post instead of the back back of the net, and, and uh, Southampton won one nil. And uh, I think he, didn't he say if she's that good, she can come and take training. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they found some Anglo-Saxon burial artefacts or something. And, yeah. But, the, but uh, actually, it is also alleged that because one of the contractors who built the stadium uh, was based in Portsmouth, that they buried a Pompey a shirt under the centre circle. And if you take off the cladding at the northern end, which is the home end, it's uh, PFC is um, it's spelled out in bricks underneath the cladding. So uh, that might be an, and another... And indeed, if you absolutely. read it backwards, it says 666, Very which much. it doesn't. <laughs> um, but we just... Actually, quick last note. Your boy at Brighton, going nicely. Chris Hutton, again. 
Chris Hewton, yeah, tremendous. Um, he's he, they wanted a, they want another goal scorer, but they've uh, they've shored up the defence even more. So best defensive record in the division um, with the following wind. Um, yeah, to, uh, automatic promotion this year, but um, Norwich on Saturday, so that's um, second against fourth. Chris Hewton's old club. Good to watch. Uh, I, I, let's find out, uh, Mr. Mr. Jeff Young, of course, you'll hear on The Journey, which is Jazz FM, on a Sunday morning, four solid hours <laughs> of the finest modern and classic jazz, funk and soul, with all stops in between available to you there. And I know that off the top of my head, Nick, do us the book. Uh, the book, Pulp Fiction, nine ninety nine. Yes, uh, amazing stories. Uh, find out about Celtic and uh, how they kept their false teeth in the goalkeeper's uh, cap during the nineteen sixty seven European <laughs> Cup final, and at the final whistle, had to rush into the gold mouth to get their teeth back. And uh, presumably, everyone got the right teeth, <laughs> <laughs> or indeed not. Well, uh, gentlemen, I'd like to say thank you very much. This is the whistleblowers, and here comes the title: Harry Christmas, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network.